Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We are so excited for today's episode, KG. It is the first time we are going to have a current ACC quarterback on the podcast as Kenny Pickett, our guy. He's going to join us later in the show. We're going to talk about these two games that we weren't able to discuss in our last episode. That was number nine, Notre Dame defeating FSU 41 to 38 in overtime. What a fun game that was. And then a not so fun game, Kelly Gramlich, where Ole Miss, I think they still just scored another touchdown. They beat Louisville 43 to 24. We'll break all that down. But first, KG, tell me a little bit more about our quarterback. Right. Let's get to Kenneth Pickett. He has started 37 games for the Pittsburgh Panthers and has amassed over 8,000 yards in total offense, third all time in Pitt history. He's coming for the record, and he's known for that clutch gene. He's directed five fourth-quarter comebacks during his career, the most by a Pitt QB in 50 years, Mac. Come on. He's one of my favorite players to watch. His grit, his toughness, determination. Uh, Really enjoyed this interview with Kenny. Uh, Has some really fun stories, even a a Peyton Manning reference, a little name drop Mm. by Kenny. Uh, But let's get to the interview. This one was fun. Kenny Pickett, my man, welcome to the show. Excited to have you here with us today. How you doing, man? A huge win on Saturday. How's everybody feeling? Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. You know, we all feel great. I feel great. You know, we came out pretty healthy from it. You know, got the work in that we need to get done heading into this big week, you know, going to Tennessee uh, in week two, so we're all excited. Absolutely, and again, big win over UMass. You know, you look fantastic. The offense looked great. Uh, Was excited to see the balance, right? About 45 passes, 41 runs. And a lot of people involved. You know, you guys had nine rushers, 11 pass catchers. You know, talk about how important that is, especially in a game before uh, a really big game against an SEC opponent. How important is that to just get it, you know, guys familiar with the offense, maybe some younger guys, some less experienced guys, and then how it felt to be back in front of a full crowd because it sounded great on TV. Yeah, man, it's very important. Um, you know, like you said, a lot of guys touched the ball, a lot of guys scored. So it's good to get, you know, multiple multiple players in there to get some experience because, um, you know, as you know, there's nothing that can, like, replace game-like experience. You, know, you have practice, but there's nothing like going against another jersey and, you know, a live stadium and having the fans back, like you said, was awesome. Hearing, hearing the crowd noise and running out of the tunnel again to, to fans and having my family there was awesome. But, um, you know, having having multiple people get in there and play, have some experience, I think it only benefits as the season goes. So you bring up that first game, and obviously we're going to talk about Tennessee, but I'm curious from a football perspective. Mac and I were student athletes, but we never experienced a COVID year. I mean, I just, I have no idea how you guys did it. Did you feel more prepared? You've had a lot of week ones. You've started multiple games to start a year, but last year compared to this year, how was that preparation? Was it different or am I off on that? I would say it was different because we had, I mean, this year we had our full team last year for our first game. We didn't have our full team. So I think that, I mean, I would just say that was obviously the biggest, you know, difference. I mean, we had DJ Turner starting, who just got to campus, I think, two and a half weeks before the game game one. Jalen Barton starting, Jordan Addison, two true freshmen. So, like, our whole receiving core was, like, wiped out almost besides a few guys. So it was very, very tough having that as your first game. Um, you know, luckily we came out on top. We played pretty well. 
Um, and it kind of set us up to make a nice little run at the start of the season. But I think that was probably the only biggest difference. How was it having a full uh, spring and summer with that receiving core? I mean, Jordan Addison is – he's freaky, man. He, he's so fun to watch. And then my guy Lucas Kroll as well. And I know you have a ton of great receivers. I think you guys have a really loaded room. But those two specifically – uh, just how important has it been for you guys to get in such a rhythm and, and to have this big spring and, and uh, fall camp as you did? Yeah, I mean, well, just the, we're, we're a big timing offense. We're a pro-style offense. So I, I need, you know, a lot of reps for those guys. And not having that going into last year um, was tough with Jordan, but he's such a special player and he works really hard. We were kind of able to make that up. You know, and then Lucas ends up getting hurt and coming back, you know, thank God. And we have a full spring, full summer. So now we're, you know, we're really clicking right now. We feel good. We have a good continuity, good timing. I know how he, you know, how he comes out of his break. Same with Jordan, same with honestly, all of our guys. So, you know, I feel really good just having a lot of work with them. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, really confident in these games. I love it, man. It was fun to see. And it was very evident to see with some of the, the balls that we saw uh, you throwing and those guys catching it. It was impressive. And I know everybody's looking forward to this coming weekend. I want to go backward just a little bit before we keep moving on here and, and discuss your decision to come back. And, and you know, a guy that could have certainly had pro opportunity a year ago uh, and, and have been at Pitt for, you know, quite some time. What was the, if there was one factor, if there was one reason that you decided, hey, I want to come back and put that jersey on for one more season. I want to grind one more time with my guys. What ultimately, you know, was that reason? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, there was a lot of reasons that I went into it. But at the end of the day, that's a real – I kind of took all the emotion out of it and just came down like a business decision. What would be the best for, you know, my future and my family's future? And, you know, where do I see myself? And it was kind of a talk with Peyton Manning. He's like um, – uh, you know, he was kind of giving me advice on, you know, he went through the decision. I, I built a relationship with him through the Manning camp, and he was one of the people I reached out to to get advice from. And he said, uh, you know, like, where do you see yourself? Or like, what, what are the projections? Like, what are, you, what are you hearing? And he ended up getting some information as well. And after we fielded it, it was like, you know, topped out at four, uh, pretty consistent five. And he's like, is that where you see yourself? And as a player, I said, no. He's like, well, I feel like that's, you know, your answer right there. He kind of gave me, you know, I see myself higher there. And then, um, you know, the second reason was how special this team is, I think. You know, I see a lot of talent coming back on both sides of the ball. I think we have great opportunity to go, uh, you know, be really successful this season if we stay consistent. So uh, those are probably the two biggest reasons right there. I kind of love that you are getting advice from a former Vol and you're playing the balls this week. That that's fun. That's that's an interesting storyline there, Mac. There's some huddle content for you. Um, <laughs> you bring up the business side. I know you were talking about it from an NFL perspective. How much did NIL play a role in that for you? And then how has NIL been for you in that process? Yeah, truthfully, at the time I did not know that that was in the works and that was something that was going to be, you know, I, I knew of it. I'm like, I just did not think it was going to be for the season. I thought that would have been a much longer process. It ended up being like a week. They gave us a heads up. And then like next thing we knew, like we were in NIL. So uh, it's been a good process. It's been a lot of fun. Really was bigger, you know, in the summer, like later in the summer, um, you know, getting my teammates involved, you know, as you know, with the hog dinners and having some guys go to a golf outing and uh, just doing some really fun stuff just to make sure all my teammates are involved. And uh, it's been cool. It's been, it's been a great experience. Um, I think it's a, uh, it's a great thing for, you know, college football moving forward. So you bring up getting your teammates involved. I know you've done a lot with your O-line. Um, you keep your O-line happy. You're going to be happy. We know that. And it feels like, you know, because you're an older guy, you're experiencing this. You took that approach of I'm not just going to go make money here and not worry about my teammates. That's going to be detrimental to my squad. Do you think now from your perspective, you've handled it well, but do you think, do you see an issue in the future with some teams 
Do you think something could arise or do you think it's going to be completely fine? I'm sure there'll be problems here and there. I don't think it'll be as big of a deal as a lot of people make it out to be. But I think the biggest thing will be recruiting. I think that that's where you're going to see the biggest effects of it. So, you know, it, it won't be where does a kid want to go play and where does he think it's, I think maybe sometimes it's going to turn to the money, um, you know, aspect of it. And, you know, where, where can I go make the most money instead of, you know, what's the best situation for me as a player and as, uh, as a person. So uh, I think that that's probably where the biggest change will be. I love it, Kenny. But before we jump back into game talk, I want to ask you one more kind of overarching question about, you know, your time and, and being at Pittsburgh. It, you've been there for a while. You've played in some really, really cool games. If you had to pick one that stood out in your career that, man, it's just when people ask me favorite game, this this is it. What well, What's that one for you and, and maybe why? I always go back to all like the, the fourth quarter comebacks, the two minute drills. Um, you know, those are really, really special. I think that probably the most special was, you know, Miami obviously being my, my yes, that's year. what I wanted you to say. <laughs> you know, I, knew that was I, I don't think you could draw it up any better than that, having that opportunity and, and doing that on that stage. And I'd say, you know, UCS straight up there, they were number 15 at the time, mm-hmm. you know, they were rolling, you know, they, they had the national champ, you know, the year before that, they were undefeated for, you know, I don't know how many games, but that, that was a special one as well. So there's, there's been awesome, you know, awesome games. And I'm hoping we can add some here this season. What do you remember about that Miami game? Because I feel like we just throw that in Coach Rick's face all the time on the huddle. And, and it's actually funny. I think he said it. We were doing the pick em or or we were discussing you guys on the show. And he said, yeah, I'm not mad at Kenny anymore. You know, I kind of forgot about it. And, uh, it. It was just so funny, though, because that it was his perfect season. And you guys just came in and spoiled it. I know. I know. Um, I saw him at the ACC Media Day. We had a good laugh about it. You know, he, he, he's, a, he's an awesome guy. But, I mean, I just – I don't know. Just first start, I remember like, um, you know, having a lot of the older guys that helped me out, Brian O'Neill, you know, Quadri Allison, George Aston, Alex Books are all guys that I looked up to were kind of, you know, really pulling for me. And uh, you know, they had all the confidence in the world in me. So I just went out there and, and you know, we played hard and got it done. So, um, you know, I, I just really think back of you know, all the great teammates I've had. Speaking of Miami, I want to ask you this before we get to Tennessee. Uh, that Miami pit game was the epitome of coastal chaos. What do you think? Do you like the term coastal chaos? Are you like, oh, I'm tired of it? What do you like? What do you make of that term? No, I love it. I think we're like people get like confused, not confused, but I think a lot of people say like coastal chaos. It's not that high level of football or, you know, there's not that many. I, I just don't see it that way. I think there's a lot of really good teams that are really, you know, competing hard against each other every week. Um, talking to guys on a bunch of other teams. That's how we, you know, that's how we feel like we're just going to war every single Saturday when you get into the conference play. You know, there's no easy rollover game. You're gonna, you have to bring your best. You're gonna get beat. So, um, you know, I love it. I think it's really competitive, and um, you know, it's already starting. You know, the chaos has already started. So, um, I'm sure it'll continue. Uh, you know, just like it'll follow suit from previous years. I love it, Kenny. And, and when you're looking at this next matchup, we're we're going to something that I think is really important you know, for the the ACC and for any conference. And that is when a team goes and plays someone else and and goes and plays another. Yeah. No, no, no pressure here for you, Kenny. Uh, (laughs) But when, when teams go outside of their conference and and play another, you guys have Tennessee. Uh, It's going to be an amazing bowl. The Johnny majors bowl. I think that's tremendous. The, the partnership that, you know, Pitt and Tennessee have created with this and they'll be visiting you guys in the near future. Just talk to me a little bit about this matchup, maybe some things that you're seeing on the defensive side, and then I, I'm going to ask you a little bit about your own defense and, and just how tenacious those guys are. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, like you said, I think it's a great opportunity for, you know, both of our teams, both of our schools. It's an honor to be able to play in the first, you know, Johnny Majors Bowl and, you know, have, having this as our week two game. 
but I, I, I think they're a really good team. I mean, you know, the head coach from UCF, you know, he's now there. Um, have experience playing against him and his offense is unbelievable. He recruited me out of high school. And, you know, we've known each other for, you know, some time now. Um, you know, he's a heck of a coach. You know, the defense deep coordinators that came from the secondaries coach at Penn State. So I'm familiar there. So they do a lot of really good, you know, really good things, you know, on both sides of the ball. So I think, you know, we're going to have our hands full offensively. And I know defensively, you know, our guys will be ready to go, but they have weapons on offense. So I think, you know, we have a really tall task coming in. Yeah, and it's going to be a great matchup. Can't wait. And I think one thing about this COVID year a year ago that was, you know, just kind of tough for a lot of people was the fact that we didn't have these, you know, outer conference matchups, conference between conference, and so excited that those are back. Uh, now I want to ask you about that defense, man, because it's something that it doesn't matter who's there. Coach has those guys ready to go. And Coach Narduzzi clearly uh, or obviously a defensive coordinator, now head coach, uh, so he's got that mentality. Just talk about in, in your time at Pitt, you've seen stars. You've seen these awesome guys, but they just keep rolling. They just keep going. And now, you know, you guys have the next man up where it doesn't look like you're missing a beat. And you practice against them every day. So am, am I wrong there or am I hitting it, you know, kind of on the head? No, I think you're hitting on the head. I think we've had, like you said, I mean, unbelievable players. They all do different things really, really well. Uh, I think they all complement each other, you know, very well. I think they recruit the right guys for the right spots that they want them in. Uh, I think, you know, that's probably the the number one thing I, you know, compliments to, you know, our coaching staff and how hard they recruit. They get the right guys, you know, physically for the scheme that we want to run. And also, you know, personality-wise and how they fit in with the team. Uh, I think that's why you don't really see, a, you know, see them skip a beat because it's just like, you know, they reload. They get these guys, they come in. Um, you know, Coach Partridge, you know, one of our, you know, assistant head coaches, unbelievable D-line coach. You know, Coach Bates is the D coordinator. You know, they, they come in with crazy energy. And, um, you know, those guys just, you know, it, there's just no other way. You either get in, you get out. So I think they have a great culture on that side of the ball. And, um, you know, they had a great game this past weekend. I think it was like the third quarter. They were like negative 15 rushing yards. I looked up. I was like, geez, you know, like, you know, I, I know we're back to, you know, having our usual defense again this season. So I'm excited to have those guys on my side. We've talked about the the pride of the conference, the SEC versus ACC, and we're kind of joking about that. But, you know, the ACC did not look great this past weekend in some of those ACC-SEC games. Is that something, as a player, you care about at all? Or is that strictly for media people? I would say it's more media people. I mean, we're just focused on going out. Like, it doesn't really matter the team or the conference. Um, that may pain some people to hear us say, but, um, you know, we've kind of approached it all the same. Um, you know, that way there's there's no difference in anything. It's just your preparation is, is very consistent. But, you know, we, listen, we know that it's a, it's a great conference. We know Tennessee's a great team. So, you know, we'll be up and ready for it. I was watching um, Packer and Durham this morning. And this had to be an old video because the Pitt basketball court was still navy and gold, which is the Pitt court I played on. So, you know, it's old. Um, <laughs> but you were like, okay, you were with maybe an O-lineman. And you were Jimmy Morrissey, Jim, our guy Jimmy. in this thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it was mind blowing to me. I couldn't do that with a basketball. You're doing it with a football. I'm trying to explain this, Matt. He's throwing footballs into basketball hoops from very long distances. How did you discover you had this magical talent? Please tell us more about this. Um, that that's almost like uh, growing up. I would be training at places, and like it's just an accuracy. Just you know, getting used to throwing fade balls. I would try and throw it in you know basketball hoops, throw it in garbage cans, throw it, like anything that was there. I was just trying to aim at and hit. Um, growing up and. They asked if I want to do it. I think Nate Peterman did it a few years back. And they're like, could you do this? I was like, yeah, I did it. You know, growing up, that's all I was. I would do. You know, and I, I would just, you know, play around. There's actually probably a video on my Twitter from back when I was 
a sophomore in high school. I think I did it just like joking around on my street um, with some of my buddies. But um, yeah, so we ended up doing it. it. Took like two or three hours. Went to the basketball court. Did all those shots at Maurice French there as well. So it was it was really fun. How Love many it, takes? How many yeah, takes yeah. are we are we talking here? The one, the, the, obviously, the the one when we were up on the catwalk, that was like by far. I mean, I think we went through like three bags of balls because yeah. I mean, I've never thrown a ball from that high down. So like getting like the trajectory of how I had to throw it was ridiculous. it was so hard. Um, I know the the full court one was the third try, but I'm very wow. used to that one. Uh, how about, the, how about the bottle cap? The bottle cap. The bottle cap was uh, probably double di- like 10, 15. <laughs> Jimmy, That's still Jimmy impressive, the one, though. Probably it's the one that impressive. was tougher was the cone on the head. Yeah. Jimmy was very scared. That's I mean, some I was, trust. I, I, that's some trust. Yeah, I told him. I was like, we don't have to do this one. He's like, no, we're doing it. But he keeps, like, moving and ducking. And so <laughs> it took it took a little bit longer. Um, and then the one time, he just kind of, like, froze up, and it worked out for us. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was an awesome uh, awesome thing. I hope that the next guy can do something fun like that, too. There you go. There you, well, hey, look, you, you and Jimmy, you guys were close. So you, you got to have that trust. You got to have that That's trust. That's right. Uh, I want to ask you about your head coach, uh, Pat Narduzzi, and, and one of my favorite in the conference, one of my favorite just people in general because, you know, how really is. And, and he's a guy that he's going to absolutely tell you how he feels, how he thinks some should, something should go. And uh, I just, I just appreciate it. You know, there's not, you know, many people in this business that, that are that real with you. What's your guys' relationship with? How, how is he uh, with a quarterback? Does he hate you? He's a defensive guy. Well, what does all that, you know, really look like? No, I mean, coach, coach dude is the, is, you know, the best head coach I could ask for. It's just in terms of the trust he has in me, the faith he has, you know, still Bobby my whole career here um, through all the ups and downs. He's always been consistent. He's always been there for me. Um, and that's why I go out there and play. So, you know, one of the many reasons why, but, you know, he's definitely, you know, up there in terms of why I go out there and play so hard and leave it all out there. Um, you know, it's very easy to play for. does does everything for his players. But he's also very honest. You know, there's no BS. He'll tell you like it is. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that. I think all the players appreciate it too. All right, Kenny, let's get an off the football question here because Pitt hasn't been in the ACC forever. So there are some fan bases, you know, like Clemson is making their first trip up to Pittsburgh this year ever for a regular season game. So give me Kenny Pickett's guide to the city. All right. What, if you're a Clemson fan going up there, if you're someone else, uh, an Atlantic team going up there, where do you need to eat? What do you need to do? Of course you're taking in the game, but give me like a quick little guide. Yeah. The eat, we're going to go to spirits and tails at the Oakland hotel. Of course. Um, that's where we're going to go get dinner and, and let them know. The Shout out. Hey, we'll clip that out. for you. We'll <laughs> we, got it, we got it. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Yeah, um, I would say, I mean, obviously when you fly in the entrance into the city through the tunnel, um, you know, that's something you probably want to have your, you know, if you're in the passenger seat, have your phone out for that one. Um, it's, it's very, very cool, you know, very cool entrance into the city. I think, you know, seeing the point down by the stadium and, you know, there's a big like water fountain down by the point downtown. Um, you know, there's a bunch of stuff, seeing the view over the city on the incline, the Duquesne mm-hmm. incline, you take the little like cart up and, there's a great, there's great restaurants up there, really nice restaurants and to the view of the city. So I think there's a ton of stuff that, you know, Pittsburgh offers. I think a lot of, you know, away teams love traveling here and their fans can, you know, kind of explore the city a little bit before the game. All right, Kenny, last one for you, and we're going to let you get out of here. Very grateful for your time. Um, the, the ACC in general this year, from top to bottom, is loaded at the quarterback position. We've been calling it the conference of quarterbacks. Uh, in your opinion, you're a guy who studies a lot of film. You've seen a lot of stuff. Uh, you've played with a lot of these guys for for some time now. Do you think that it is the best conference in the country in regards to, you know, one through 14, 
the level of quarterback that this league has? I would say so. I think if you look at it from top to bottom, uh, I think it'd be hard to argue with another, you know, conference that's, you know, they have all, there's a ton of good players out there. Don't get me wrong, but in terms of consistency, one through 14, uh, I would say the ACC has the, you know, the strongest group of quarterbacks this season. Well, I agree with you. No doubt. But man, thank <laughs> you so much. This was a blast. Appreciate your time and uh, good luck this weekend. We'll be cheering for you. Awesome guys. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed our time with Kenny Pickett. And you could tell, Mac, when we were talking with him, we did this on Labor Day on that Monday. He was at the facility. He was taking time between meetings or something. So we really appreciate his time. And we've talked about how the ACC has really struggled in these SEC games. Well, we've got Pitt, Tennessee this week. So no pressure, Pitt. <laughs> That's right. It's all on you. <laughs> The balance of the conference, Kelly, is dwindling quickly and, and just hanging on by a thread. So, Pitt, you can save us right now and NC State. Yes, NC, NC State, State going to Starkville to play Mississippi State. Uh, but huge thank you to EJ Borghetti setting that up for us, getting Kenny to come on. And Kenny, thank you for your time. So really appreciative to the two of those guys. Mac, you didn't hear my joke. Well, you heard my joke, but the people didn't hear my joke at the beginning when we were talking with Kenny. I was like, oh, finally someone our own age. <laughs> right. He laughed. <laughs> he, thought that, he thought it was funny. He thought it was funny. He's only 23. Right. He, he's he is, very He's young. a little younger than us, but still. And we have Missouri BC later on. That's we will right. talk about that That's game right. later in September. So things aren't um, absolutely terrible. Okay. Mac, we need to remind our listeners about our great friends over at On3.com. On3 is the premier college sports and recruiting digital media company featuring the most talented and experienced newsbreakers and storytellers. Shout out, Mac Connolly. Partnered with iconic fan publications and featuring a next-gen database tracking players from high school to the draft. And this new site comes from the founders of Rivals and 247sports.com, so you know it's going to be great. That's right, KG. They also have team channels and sites as well, where ClemsonSports.com is the only ACC channel for now, but they do a great job covering all things Tiger. So check out their site and their message boards, the Tiger Den. Kelly and I will be posting in that board throughout the season. So it's a super fun, just another way we can interact with you guys and talk about ACC teams, specifically looking at the Tigers. Uh, they also have a team channel for every ACC team. You can find out more at on3.com. Boom. Love it. We appreciate our guys over at On3. Okay, Mac, let's get into these games. Let's start. If you guys don't know this, here's a little behind the scenes. Whenever Mac has news for me, He'll text me or he'll call me. He'll say, you want the good news or the bad news? And I almost always say, give me the bad news first. So speaking of the bad news, Ole Miss 43, Louisville 24, Mac. Look, first of all, this Ole Miss offense is great. I, I think we got to give Ole Miss a lot of credit. I'm excited for Ole Miss Alabama. I'm not under any illusions that Bama's just going to fold, but I do think that game could be fun. What did you see, Mac? Do you have any thoughts on what we saw from Louisville? Because... It was a rough showing from the Cardinals. Let's just be honest. It was. And I tell you what, I thought that the second half 
looked more like what we would see all game long. And if you look at it, if you want a silver lining, Louisville outscored Ole Miss in the second half. The only problem is uh, Ole Miss was already up uh, by a ton of points in the first half, and, and Louisville scored zero. So was a little bit disappointing in, in the effort that we saw in the, in the first half and just really lacks of execution. Ole Miss's defense looked fantastic. And if you guys remember a year ago, those guys were terrible. They, they were last in the SEC in a ton of different categories, last in the country, actually, in a lot of different categories, specifically passing. And they were much improved against Louisville. Now, whether that's an indication of the Cards' lack of offense and lack of explosion, we'll find out when the, the season keeps going and, and Ole Miss plays you know, against different opponents. But held Malik Cunningham you know, to five yards an attempt, that, that's – not good. You know, we Louisville needs explosion and they need to be able to have these big plays. Same thing rushing held Louisville to four yards rushing uh, per an attempt there. So something that on the Louisville side, you have to get better at. You have to be able to big, hit these big plays. That is what this Louisville offense is centered around. And, uh, you know, thought that we would see a better performance from them. And then again, sadly, Kelly, on the defensive side of the ball, it really just looks like more of the same. Not being able to really stop the run at all which, of course, opens the pass, and uh, Matt Corral lit him up for over, almost 400 yards. He did. And look, th- this was our concern with Louisville, right, was you lose two high-powered weapons in Atwell and Fitzpatrick. And it's tough to just replace those guys. I thought Malik Cunningham just didn't have a lot of help. You were still in the game somewhat with that pitch to Hassan Hall that he just dropped, and that was kind of the nail in the coffin in many respects. So, I don't, Malik Cunningham wasn't great, but I don't think he got a lot of help. And then on the flip side, it looks like Ole Miss just reloaded at wide receiver. Jeez, Drummond was incredible. And then you have Jerion Ely at, at running back, who's also catching a few passes. He was great. So it was kind of the, the opposite, right? It looks like Ole Miss reloaded the skill positions, and it doesn't really seem like Ole Miss, or uh, Louisville, excuse me, was able to truly reload yet. Yeah, completely. And, and really just a stat to add right on to that. Louisville's receivers averaged 8.7 yards a, a completion. Ole Miss's receivers averaged 17.3 yards a reception. And, and so that 17.3 number, Louisville only had two guys who individually had a number bigger than that, two catches. And, and so when you have when you have two catches and the other team's averaging more than, than that, it's, uh, it's not ideal. So you can see the explosion. You can see what Ole Miss was able to do that Louisville wasn't. And then, of course, turnovers as well, Kelly, just plaguing this team, You know, having an interception, losing the fumble, as you just mentioned, on the pitch. Uh, so Louisville, long season, all your goals still in front of you, but you've got to turn things around quickly. Yes, they definitely do. Okay, let's get to the game that was a lot more fun. And this was number nine, Notre Dame 41, Florida State 38 in overtime. This was the my favorite game of the weekend. It, it was crazy, Mac, because everyone was so hyped for Clemson, Georgia, but Notre Dame, Florida State completely delivered. Like that was the game of the weekend. And everyone on Twitter, whether you follow Florida State or Notre Dame, it doesn't matter. They were into that game. So, and let's start it with McKenzie Milton because McKenzie Milton, he comes in in kind of a freak situation. Jordan Travis's helmet comes off, Milton comes in. And not only, I thought this wasn't being talked about enough. Yes, he's coming back from that catastrophic injury. And that's unbelievable. But Mac, you know about this. And Perhaps I know a little more from a basketball standpoint. He's been sitting on the sideline for three hours. Like, he's cold as can be. And he just walks in there and leads <laughs> a drive. Played in two years. Yes. Hadn't played in two years, by the way. It was way. baffling. I mean, 
so impressive. So it really looks like Florida State's heading in the right direction. Absolutely. I mean, this this was exciting to see. You know, we we had mentioned and hinted that, you know, both of these teams, probably a lot of question marks and, and Notre Dame probably, you know, ranked way too high at nine and, and just having a lot to replace. And maybe FSU could have them on the ropes and, and win a big game at home. And that's exactly what they did. But what was impressive was how they did it. That That's what was impressive to me, Kelly, and, and things that should be exciting, you know, for Florida State fans, which, you know, hasn't been a lot to be excited about in recent years. So I think that this is something that You've got a fun little team here. Now, it was just one game, and again, we don't know what Notre Dame is going to look like, but I'm excited about this defense. They held Notre Dame to 1.9 yards a rush. This is a Notre Dame team that has two exceptional running backs in Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. Kyron rushed the ball 18 times for a two-yard average. That, That is nuts. A great job by Florida State bottling him up not allowing him to be a weapon at all. Um, And and then, of course, on the other side, Florida State's rushing attack. We told you guys Joshua Corbin was going to have a big year. And what he do, just go for 15 carries, 144 yards and a touchdown. It it was great to see that. It it was great to see, you know, Florida State having a pulse. I I was impressed with Jordan Travis, you know, in, in earlier in the game and what he was able to do. But then, you know, you look back at his stats and nine for 19 and three picks. So, you know, I I thought that he had made big, huge strides and maybe he has. But ultimately, that's going to be a concern. And and did McKenzie do enough and why didn't he play early on? Was he you know recovering from a a different injury or was COVID involved? You know, we have no ideas as to why he didn't play earlier. And then, of course, kind of forced into action. I think you're excited about what you saw from him, his composure, his calmness, and and you know being able to basically lead your team back and, and get you into overtime. So loved what I saw from from you know Florida State. Think it's inspiring. Think that it's you know a tale of sign or, or a sign of things that can come. Um, but I think I have to mention this: Jack Cone went berserk. Jack Cone. You know what was funny? You, yeah, Who you are went you, on Twitter, man? Kelly, and said, okay, all these people that said they expected this, you're a liar. Uh, yeah, he you went liar. nuts. I mean, it was. <laughs> he, was he, he was lights out, and it was impressive to see four touchdowns, 366 yards. Uh, great, great things from him. Again, can he keep it up? We'll see. But, man, th- this was a fun game, Kelly, and I don't think anybody expected it to be like this. No, it was great. And my two main thoughts as I've been able to reflect a little bit on this game. First of all, Paul Christ at Wisconsin needs to be fired. Like, this is flat out embarrassing. If I was a Wisconsin fan, I'd be livid. I get it. They play a different system. I get it, Mac. But why is your system limiting your guys so much that when they leave, they can go 26 for 35 for 366 and four touchdowns? Like, what are you doing? If I'm a Wisconsin fan, I'm livid. That's point A. Wisconsin was really the loser of this game. Point B, and Mac, you might want to pump the brakes a little, but that's not me right now. Mackenzie Milton needs to start. He needs to start on Saturday. He needs to be your guy. Jordan Travis had some great moments, and obviously he has improved, and he's a dynamic athlete. But if he doesn't throw three picks, you probably win the game. I mean, those turnovers were so crucial. And Milton comes in. Milton shows no signs of that leg bothering him at all. His poise, like I said, after sitting on the bench for three hours and two and a half years, as you were pointing out, Mac, to come in 
and lead that drive and the the smart plays he made were that bad snap and he just threw it out of bounds that was genius otherwise you know they still lost but still that was a huge play McKenzie Milton needs to start McKenzie Milton is your guy Florida State and I really hope we see that this Saturday and continuing on throughout the season I 100% agree with you and that's what we you know kind of called for all summer long you know if if he was able to be you know like his old self there's no you know, questioning what Florida State can do. There, there's no, you know, ceiling on what they can do. Quarterback play is so important, and it can change a team immediately. And so I agree with you. I think he needs to be the guy. And also, Jordan needs to play. I mean, he he's too good of an athlete in everything that you just said. When he's in the game, it changes everything. And his escapability is so impressive. His, able, uh, his ability to extend plays with his legs and even pick up yards with his legs. He's a great player. He needs to play. There needs to be some type of package. It does not need to be a, all right, McKenzie, you're going to get two series, then you're going to get two series, Jordan, and we're going to keep flip-flopping. It needs to be by design. It needs to be you know, just a factor that, okay, defensive coordinators, you're going to have to prepare for both of these guys each week because we're going to use them, and we're going to use them effectively. So I'm excited. Haven't said that I'm excited about Florida State in a long time. So this could be fun. And I think if they can stay healthy and keep figuring it out, that uh, they're only going to get better. So, you know, that that's a great thing for this league. It's a great thing for college football, honestly, when Florida State is good. I'm truly happy for FSU fans. I really am. And I know they still lost the game, but what I saw on Twitter was Florida State fans just being thrilled with the effort, the energy, the passion, uh, the discipline. And, look, I think Mike Norvell's got a good thing going there. So I'm, I'm very happy for Florida State fans. They play Jacksonville State this week. You'll probably see both quarterbacks against Jacksonville State, but – I think Mackenzie Milton should start. I really do. Yeah, but and going back to your Twitter thing, when's the last time that you have ever seen, probably never, to be honest, uh, the entire world rooting yeah, for FSU to yeah. win a football game? I mean, it was nuts. Uh, outside of our friends, you know, Michael Jr., Cornette. Uh, Jessica Smintana, Cornette, outside of them, everybody else was cheering for him. It was funny because I <laughs> tweeted, we're all Mackenzie Milton fans now, and Goldie right. responded and said, are we? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe a couple of y'all aren't, but guys, that what a fun episode. You know, a, a little bit of a rough start to this ACC weekend, but nevertheless, college football is back. We all need to remember that and, and how excited uh, we are to have this great sport, this great product each and every weekend. And it's a new week. It's the, it's the start of a new week. Uh, we'll be back Friday to break down this entire weekend. Can't wait. There's a lot of really fun matchups, a couple of SEC, ACC matchups uh, that we hinted to earlier that we're excited to break down. But do yourself a favor. Go check out our producer, Richmond Weaver's podcast, Rich Take on Sports. He has so many great interviews about you know people in the sports world of just different walks of life. If, if there's a story that you're interested in or something that you're going through, uh, he probably has interviewed somebody that has done the same and has gotten through it. So check out that podcast anywhere you get yours. That's Rich Take on Sports. But guys, thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. But until next time, we'll see y'all.